Well, welcome to today's edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along for the ride today, of course. National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up at the start of hour number two. To get the ball rolling for today here, though, in this hour, we're going to focus on issues. Uh, well, this is something that was kind of interesting last week. Um, we get uh, comments from listeners all throughout the uh, course of the week uh, from people who call in, write to us, post on our social media pages. But, and, I, and I'm really grateful for everyone who does. Um, we had a couple of listeners, though, who called in. Um, and it was there was a big discussion with regard to the topic of conversation, especially as it pertains to men and masculine um, images and things like that in the culture. Ken Harrison was with us from Promise Keepers, and he wrote a book called Having a Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. We had several people uh, contact us afterwards and say, thank you for talking about guys' issues. Thank you for talking about uh, you know the, the, the problem with masculinity in the culture today. Not that there's a problem with men per se, but... There's a misconception of what masculinity looks like, and now that we don't have the biblical worldview as the overall cultural standard, we the people uh, run the risk then of having, you know, misinformation about what it means to be a man and a woman, and this, that, and the other thing. And and we Christians can get lost in this. We can get deep in the weeds too. The idea that we somehow, uh, you know, we we have to battle over what is right and what's wrong with regard to our men and women, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, uh, you know, masculinity in a biblical fashion. Are we egalitarian where everybody's straight up and down equal? Are we complementarian because men and women are basically created differently, but the same? And I'm more of a complementarian simply because if you look at the physical and emotional differences between men and women, it's pretty obvious that men and women were created to complement each other rather than compete with one another. But sometimes that complementarian view can be misconstrued as to saying, well, women shouldn't be leading and women shouldn't be in charge of stuff. And men were here first, so women are designed to be a complement to us without taking into consideration the fact that it's a perfect complement. God created men and women to partner with each other perfectly. And that means that the man is just as much responsible for being complementarian to the woman as the woman is to the man. And so, you know, nonetheless, what it has done, a lot of the gender confusion and then the transgender ideology and stuff like that, is one of many ways that more and more people are being led to say to heck with it. Either it's not worth going on or it's certainly not worth going on and trying to interact with other people. And yet God created us for community. I mean, the essence of human creation in Genesis chapter one. Here's the Godhead sitting around <laughs> and saying, we're going to create the heavens and the earth. And then once we get to that point where it's like time to move forward, you know, the God says, let us create mankind in our image, acknowledging God is three and God is one, but let's make mankind. And so male and female, he created them, it says. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, first off was Adam, but that the intent all along was to create male and female. And when you look at the chromosomal makeup of men in particular, XY chromosome, masculine and feminine. The fact that Eve was created with the uh, XX is, is, you know, that's, that's God in his wisdom saying it's not good for man to be alone. Let's make woman, female, from man. Perfect compliment. And so it's not just in gender issues like that, but one of the ways, reasons why so many people are experiencing isolation and separation is look at the number of people who are in same-sex relationships right now. Is it purely just sexual or is it just a question of saying, hey, look, I'm a guy and I have lousy relationships with women. I found a guy who gives me everything that I'm going to need in a relationship like that. So why not? Women doing the same thing. People, you, you look at the whole generation of millennials and generation Z. Are you familiar with the term friends giving? Friends must. Their friends are in many cases tighter to them than their own families, especially if there was a divorce. And I know that firsthand. My kids, you know, when the first year there was a separation between uh, their mom and me, uh, we doing the holidays was kind of challenging. Then when Christmas Eve, it was church service with dad, but then. Uh, home with mom and her family. And then the next morning I was, I was going to pick kids up and take them to uh, San Diego. My parents were living there at the time. And I remember that we were getting ready to head out. And my daughters looked at me like they were, you know, what do you mean, dad? We, we're not doing that first. We have to go see our friends. 
And then we'll ride down and see Grandma and Grandpa. And I'll say, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> when did we start doing that? But And it's been that way ever since. You know, to where now we work the family in, but the friends are a huge priority for them. And there's a big reason why the friends are a huge priority for them, and that's because they don't want to feel lonely. A new study out of Brigham Young University. Yeah, I know, Brigham Young, but still, good research here. Dr. Julianne Holt-Lundstedt is a professor of psychology at BYU, conducted two meta-analyses, analyses rather, of previous studies to determine how social isolation, loneliness, and living alone plays a role in a person's risk of dying. Now, meta-analysis means lots of people were considered here. Is feeling alone, let alone actually physically being alone, a big problem in America right now. People have been looking at like obesity and high blood pressure and stuff like that. But there's a greater threat than being overweight and that's being alone. Here's this meta-analysis. 148 different studies. 300,000 people surveyed in said studies. Here's the deal. If you want to cut your risk of death by as much as 50%, you know what the key is? Being connected to other people. It's not diet and exercise. It's not making more money. It's not having a more worthwhile job experience. It's not even living in the right state. It's being connected to others. Here's a quote from the report. An increasing portion of the U.S. population now experiences isolation regularly. Being connected to others socially is widely considered a fundamental human need, crucial to both well-being and survival. This study continues. Extreme examples show infants in custodial care who lack human contact fail to thrive and often die. And indeed, social isolation or solitary confinement has been used as a form of punishment. Using 70 of those 148 studies, and this one included 3.4 million people from North America and all over uh, the world as well. This is the second study. Uh, Dr. Holt Lundstad looked at loneliness, social isolation, and living alone and the role it played in a person's life. All three conditions were found to be equally hazardous and significantly raised the risk of premature death. According to the loneliness study conducted by the AARP, uh, 35% of Americans age 45 and older were suffering from chronic loneliness in 2010. And that equated to about 43 million people total at the time of that testing. That was 10 years ago. That was prior to the pandemic. One of the cruelest things that people like Governor Gavin Newsom did during the pandemic was to close churches, close restaurants, close public gatherings. Remember the super spreader events we were so worried about that now the CDC is saying, you know, if you're vaccinated, if you're unvaccinated, the same rules apply for everybody. Huh? After two years of a steady diet of vaccine or die, vaccine or die, vaccine or die, vaccine or die, now the CDC is saying, well... After a steady drumbeat for two years of just because you're asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't be a super spreader. It's like, well, if you don't have any symptoms, we probably don't need to test you because you probably don't have it. I know prior to getting COVID, going to do hospital visits, I had to have the test, would get the test. They all came back negative. And I had many technicians ask me, did you get the vaccine? I said, no, I did not. And they said, okay, then your test will come back negative. And I asked them why. And they said, well, you didn't get the vaccine. I said, right, but why can you be so certain? And I'd stop and go, wait a minute. I know what you're saying. What you're saying is on the test, if you had the vaccine, it may be fighting off the COVID infection, but it's also going to test that you have COVID in your system. So it kind of spikes the deck a little bit. Not great. Well, loneliness is no fun. There's no question about it. And for anyone who might be tempted to say, I'm going to live this way because to heck with people, I just don't like them anymore. It really is not in your best interest. But then to take that a step further, may I submit to you the fact that we are living in a culture right now where there are too many people who find themselves living alone who just happen to be men. 
That's right. I know the typical lonely person. We think of the widowed female or the woman who uh, maybe didn't even get married and, uh, you know, whatever her story is and whatever reason. But I can assure you, brothers and sisters, that when it comes to connectability, friendships and things of that nature, women who are single are far more likely to have girlfriends, relatives, people that they are dialed in with than guys are. Men who are married might have a few friends, but they're predominantly couple friends. What happens when the divorce happens and you don't have those friends anymore? The pandemic of COVID and the concern over whether or not people would catch it and die from it is now being dwarfed by the health risks that remain from people who lived in isolation for such a long time that they wound up cutting a couple years off their lives. The last thing we need in this culture is men to just live isolated. I got this. No one can tell me what to do. I don't need anybody. Men. A few months ago, Brad Hansen, author, podcaster, just an all-around fun, great guy, uh, wrote a book on what our culture needs today. The book is called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsman, I love that phrase, or any man willing to show up. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I had a chance to get to meet Brandon in person. We've done a lot of phone interviews in the past, and it's always been great to have that conversation with him. But I met him in person a couple months ago at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, and we talked about this book. We talked about the six different reasons why we need men in this culture and how godly men will definitely shape the culture for the future. And everyone will benefit from it. On the other side of this break, I'd like to revisit this conversation with Brand Hansen and give you an opportunity to win a copy of his book, The Men We Need. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, from the convention floor here, well, not the exact convention floor. Technically, we're in the media area, and we're not even in the media area. We're right out in front of the media area. I want it's to now sure. a media area because we're here. That's right. We're, we're media. Here. Two or more are gathered. Yes, and Brand it becomes Hansen the is area. With me today here on the bottom line, he's got a brand new book out. We're going to talk about called "The Men We Need: God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsement, or Any Man Willing to Show Up." We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Brent, it's great to get me, to meet you. Thank you. It's nice to meet you too. We've had many conversations on the phone here on the Bottom Line Show, but to get some chance to go face to face it's really um, it's encouraging yeah i'm totally an introvert too so this whole convention thing is like right very distracting and stuff so it's nice (laughs) to just sit down one-on-one that's right well that's why we chose this profession right part of the reason totally yes you can have a big conversation with a lot of people and never see any of them totally yeah yes thank you your brand hansen uh show in the uh and the oddcast yeah we have a the brand and sherry oddcast is our podcast yeah phenomenal reach i mean over 200 terrestrial stations plus the internet plus the work you do with cure and and the program that was i was just i'm i stalk you on social media i hope you don't mind yes i would imagine you'd stalk me too uh-huh. if you were so inclined and if you don't that's fine too i won't take it personally but the um your your producer had a, a, a production recently tell me about that. yeah uh, i happen to have a radio producer who's an unbelievably gifted playwright and she wrote a play about race in the church mm. and it is incredibly topical obviously you mean there's racism in the church well there certainly seems to be an issue there yeah some would say yes um She's an African-American, mm-hmm. and she's writing this. It's actually a comedy about a black church and a white church that have to merge. Mm. And then the the tension there, and she doesn't shy away from anything. Right. But the brilliant thing about it is we'll have the audience would be half black, half white by design. And she makes everybody feel, she, she makes she makes it redemptive. It's like mm. this healing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. It's very brilliant. The music is brilliant. Uh, it's called The Bold and the Sanctified, but it's it's high-level comedy. And so we just finished doing that and did live streams and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I just happen to have a radio producer who's way more talented than than I am. and um, I know the feeling. Yeah, you know what that's like? <laughs> so what a blessing. And it, that we get to work that out every day yeah. as, you know, the black-white combo. And mm-hmm. I'm a nerd and mm-hmm. she's not. and that, All that. Um is, is a neat representation of the kingdom, I think. I think so. And uh, th- it's actually, that's my home life too, with hmm. my wife and me. And we hmm. have the most interesting conversations huh. about, the, and people look at us and go, how did you guys, make? I mean, because, you know, I mean, it's like, no, we don't know. I mean, if you watch the two of us for 10 minutes, you know, and the things that we grew up with, because she grew up in LA, grew up in Orange County, huh. we have very similar backgrounds. Huh. And so it's just, it's fun. But it really does open your eyes, especially for us, totally. you and me, to, to things that happen in the culture that you would not know 
are there because right you, you didn't it did it didn't touch you you didn't feel it when you were so there's something really up. beautiful too in a marriage is obviously the probably the ultimate example of this but like not just getting together to have a conversation or let, let's have a dialogue between black and white oh, and we'll, we'll meet we'll talk it's yeah. like okay how about we do something together shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. when you're actually engaged in doing something like you're you're facing out as brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. or as or as man and wife or as producer and host or whatever mm-hmm. But you're trying to do something together. Yeah, that changes the dynamic too. It's right. not just a, like on on route to doing things together. You learn about each other, but you're your comrades, your right. allies. Right. That changes everything. I feel like we're if we were in mission together as a church, a lot of stuff would would start to go to the back burner. Yeah, and some of the issues like you talk about in your new book, um, the men we need is you know the the whole concept of toxic masculinity and what the culture says about men and fathers and husbands. And this is a topic I know you say you'd kind of like to just skip past the argument part and just get right to the core. Why? <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm talking about what masculinity is. Yeah. And I know that trips every wire right now in terms of the culture. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I, I don't want to write an argument book about explaining why I have the views I have about gender or whatever. Right. I'm not engaging gender theory because there's a very practical w- level which some guys just need to know what am I supposed to be doing? Right. Right. We don't need they, another theoretical book doesn't help an 18 year old who's graduating or a, or a 26 year old guy or a 50 year old guy mm-hmm. who's wondering what does it actually mean to be masculine. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to actually tell you this is what it is. Yeah. And I'm taking a shot at it because there's there's so much deconstruction of toxic masculinity. There's some great books about that. Like we shouldn't be like John Wayne. We shouldn't be. I got it. Totally true. Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to be? Right. What's the construction? So I'm trying to explain that there is actually maybe a rubric that we can use. And it's the job that Adam was given in the garden that Eve was not given. And it's the keeper of the garden. Hmm. And it so happens that when we are these things that make up what the keeper of the garden is, like being protective, cultivating people around us, providing a place where people can flourish, taking care of the weak and the vulnerable, like doing the things that we're supposed to do. Um, everybody around us does flourish mm. and it so happens I'm mentioning especially to younger guys women do find that very attractive yes and yes. we actually do that providing security for her or for people around us they they intuit that that's what we're for so I, I say don't buy the book because it'll make you more attractive it totally will but don't buy the book that reason <laughs> what you should do though like it's understand women have a compass that's, that's pointing out what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And it's not toxic. Right. There's nothing toxic about what I'm saying. I do know that even just defining any distinctive whatever can be controversial. But Absolutely. I'm not worried about that right now. I just want to be a blessing to, to guys. That, here's an actual answer, an actual construction. It's like we have all these pieces to the puzzle, but what's the box top look like? And mm-hmm. I'm trying to show you this is what the box top is. It's being this keeper of the garden. Adam right. failed to be, but we can do this. Brant Hansen is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and I appreciate that apologetic for not only the reason for writing the book, but the, your willingness to wade into that, the, the heavy, well, the high water without waders necessarily. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because, because there are none. And one of the quickest ways, I think you and I both know this anecdotally, um, I, maybe you've got more science behind it than, than I do. We know that the best way, the fastest way, the most effective way to shut a guy down is to make him feel like he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Don't give him a right answer. That's a great point. And like you mentioned the puzzle, I want all the pieces, but I need the picture on top of the box so I know how these go together. And I don't have to put every piece together, but my responsibility is make sure all the pieces go together. Yeah. And to have that look that even little kids can understand this. Right. Right. Like when I explain that my son used to pick on my daughter, as Mm -hmm. happens, he was the older one. Mm -hmm. But we would hear her say, Justice, because his name's Justice. I'd come back. Like, I can't believe you're picking on your sister, but I explained to him, you realize your job is to protect her. Right. And you're the threat to her now? Right. Mm. That's a betrayal of your job. Once I told him that, we never had a problem with it. Because mm. he got it. Because there's, there's something that so resonates with us that that is our job. Mm. Women shouldn't feel threatened. There should be no. no need for a Me Too movement. Right. Because once we understand that, to make a woman feel threatened 
is the betrayal of who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite. But a lot of guys don't even know that. Right. That's why we're here. So we, well, there's confusion. I'm talking with Brand Hansen today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book is called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Indoorsman, and Any Man Willing to Show Up. And I know Brand and I fill at least two of those categories. <laughs> um, we've got that up at thebottomlineshow.com. You just said something profound, and I want to see if I, I, I can underscore it a little bit. Uh-huh. The betrayal issue, the trust issue for women is so huge. And if they grew up in a home where there was a divorce, maybe dad left the family. And so already strike one against whatever guy comes into her life because that betrayal thing is going to be huger than that. And then there's a bad relationship with another guy or maybe a boss or a teacher or something like that or or a playmate on the playground. Uh And so now guys are getting into marriage and all of a sudden you literally, this is worse than slow pitch softball, you know, where you go up with one strike on the count just to move the game along. You've got two strikes. In some cases you've already been called out before you go in the batter's box and you're trying to help guys with this book say no when you go up to bat you you're you can do this it's your job to get the ball in play and the very fact that there are women that have this reaction to this like if they if they don't read the book or they think that i'm advocating some sort of a muscular domineering Mm -hmm. you know ownership of women or something they don't understand what i'm actually advocating this biblical view um that's because men have not done this before right right they don't know what it's like to have a, a, a dad or a man who fulfills this purpose, then understandably you would be like, I don't need this. I've learned to, I've learned to function without it. And the culture does not do guys any favors right no, now. No, it offers like all these fake masculine trappings, mm-hmm. like driving a muscle car or a big truck or hunting or whatever. There's nothing wrong with those things, by the way, yeah. at all. But those aren't, that's not it. Which is very freeing for people like me. That's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hunter. Right. For, um, I, I don't have any problem with hunting, but it's just I don't do it. Right. I don't see very well. It's the biggest reason. <laughs> it's just not safe uh, out there, except for the animals. Yeah, we, astigmatic guys like me should not be Bam, holding me guns. Me too. Bingo. So I got yeah. all sorts of neurological. You don't want me out there with a gun. No. <laughs> so, but those things that seem like signifiers of masculinity, if you aren't what I'm talking about, which is mm-hmm. the keeper of the garden, the protector and the cultivator and the, the guy who provides security, women will actually resent that stuff. Yes. You're big muscles, you're a bodybuilder, but you don't actually show up. Right. You're passive or your words actually tear down people. They don't feel secure around you or you flirt with other women or something. Mm-hmm. She'll actually resent those muscles. Mm. So the real masculinity is in the thing that's underlying all of this stuff, which anybody, whether you're ripped or not, you can embody this and your wife will be attracted to that very fact that you are such a source of security for the people around you that people feel safe. Mm-hmm. That is really awesome. Well, I want to continue to draw down on that on the other side of this break. We might actually talk about the principles in segment number two. We're just having <laughs> awesome. such a great, I, I love having the wandering conversation, but there's always purpose to it with Brand Hansen. The book is called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsement, or Any Man Willing to Show Up. We'll take a look more at this book at the other side of this break. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. More in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, hold on to it, and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market? You go back. You want to put it into a CD? You go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you could earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Brad Hansen is my guest today here on the program. We're talking about his brand new book called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsman, or Any Man Willing to Show Up. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I'll just give you a hint, since you get to listen to the first part of the interview, the whole network joins in on the other side of this break. But I want you to be first in line, because this is a great read. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We've got one copy of Brandt's book to give away right now, and I want you to have it. So give me a call, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break here on the other side of this break. Brant and I are going to continue our conversation recorded at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. And then we're going to talk about what godly masculinity looks like in the culture. We have a walk the talk segment that I think you're going to find very, very inspiring. The number of people who have responded to this story already is just incredible on social media. And what happens to a guy who, uh, you know, the sanctification process, if you will, when someone becomes a Christian, the, the six types of masculine personalities that we need in the culture that are all found in Scripture here that are outlined in Brand's book, um, The Men We Need. Um, on the other side of this break, conclusion of my conversation with Brand Hansen and a story about a guy who really stepped up big as a man of faith once the Lord got a hold of his heart and was willing to kind of, quote unquote, go there in an area of his life that had been kind of hidden away for a long time, even though it meant he could potentially lose anything simply by being a man and telling the truth. That incredible story coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Brand Hansen is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We are broadcasting, as you can tell by the ambiance here, not from his studio, not from my studio, but from uh, NRB Convention, Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get to Nashville a lot? You're not based here. Uh, I do. Yeah. I, for various reasons. It seems like all roads lead here yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fine city, by the way. It a fine, really, fine city. Yeah. If I weren't in Southern California, yeah, I would, so that, Nashville would be home. Nothing wrong with Nashville. For sure. And it's so good to get uh, FaceTime with you. Thank I know you. For, for two people who are introverts who don't necessarily do FaceTime. We can at least look at each other and it's like we're looking at the centerpiece of the teacups, you know, where it's spinning around and everything's going away. But as long as you keep your eyes on the center, you don't get knocked out of equilibrium. You know what's, what's, that's the thing for an introvert, I think. I actually get energized talking about ideas. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you and I are talking, yeah. I have no problem staying energized. Yeah. It's the, the tough thing, as you know, is just the small talk and oh, yeah. trying to make that work. It's exhausting. But if you can go straight into stuff, right. like, well, right. I'm pumped. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would totally be that pastor who preaches and then leaves. Yeah. The handshake line is just, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's gruesome. Brant's brand new book is called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, which is Brant, the Avid Endorsement, <laughs> which is me, and any man willing to show up, which on our best days is kind of both of us. You've got these six decisions that guys can make. Yeah. And, and need to make to help, you know, enhance that. It was funny, you were talking before the break about the security factor. And my wife and I have, you know, little pet names and nicknames for each other. I always talk about how she's my piece. I mean, she's just really in the calm in the middle of the storm. Hmm. And her, for me, is my rock. And that, that's, uh, she'll just, yep. you know, that's yep. how she refers to it. And I know that she was, her dad abandoned the family. She, you know, had a uh-huh. bad first marriage. I mean, security is a big deal. I and mean, she wouldn't mind me telling you this. I don't know uh, if there's a bigger compliment that you can yeah. have than what she's calling you. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, at first I was like, are you kidding? You see my chest? I mean, I'm not, that, that's no, just point. That's point. It doesn't yeah, matter. It's not that. Yeah. It, it does not matter. And again, you could be Mr. Olympia or whatever. If you were flirting with other women or yeah. you were carrying on as somebody that made her feel insecure you would not be her rock right right and you could look like the rock and not be her <laughs> rock because you're not yeah she doesn't have that but and conversely this is very free like you can be this mm-hmm. whoever you are mm-hmm. it's it's a matter of having the vision to do it and then w- intending to do it i think well you have this in your relationship with your wife you i have it with mine um, a lot of our listeners do, but a lot of them don't. And there are a lot of women who are hoping guys would somehow figure it out. And they the guys are. are saying, I don't know what to do. Please, right. if you tell me what to do, I can do it. You've got these decisions, that you, these principles that you outline in the book. Yeah. Take us through them. Okay, so like, I'll just talk about one of them. And that is, I'm telling guys, particularly younger ones, but it's true in general, forsake the fake and relish the real. Mm-hmm. There's so much virtual stuff. Yeah. Like, think about this, young guys. A lot of guys are shut-ins now. This is a growing phenomenon of younger men, they might be in their 20s or 30s, that are shut-ins just with their technology, don't mm. leave the house. Right. It's They're using computers for their sex lives, and mm-hmm. they're using computers for their gaming. Well, who needs friends when you have virtual reality? Right. You know? Okay, so yeah. that that's a very real trap. Right. If you, if you don't know what you're made for, but the idea is, because the reigning ethos in our culture is, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, right. I'm fine. Or as long as I don't know that I'm hurting anybody right. else. Right, fine. Yeah. But, like, if I'm just, if I'm by myself... And I'm engaging virtually. No one else is being hurt. And I'm trying to tell guys, 
you are hurting other people because we needed you to be who you were created to be. Your neighborhood needed you. Mm -hmm. There's a mm -hmm. woman out there who needed you. Mm -hmm. There's people that could have been protected by you. If you were fully engaged and actually growing as a man, you could have been this blessing to people. You could have added value to other people's lives, but now you're not. Right. Because you've allowed yourself to sink into this. I'm saying this as somebody who loves video games. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a screed against... Honestly, it's so engaging. You feel like you're accomplishing something when you're really not. But you can, le you can <laughs> right, level right. up. Yeah. Like, I'm getting better. You don't uh -huh. level up in daily life that easily. Yeah. So it's that you get this dopamine hit. You get And the it's rewards. easy to overcome your failures, quote unquote. Absolutely. Right? Just reboot. But I'm telling guys, like, you don't want to look back. It's age 70, age 80, and all your adventures were virtual. Right. Your relationships right. were virtual. They were just figments of imagination in your right. head. They were binary code. Right. When there are real flesh and blood people, you, were, you had a purpose. And you can miss it. So I'm trying to tell them you don't want to end up like that. Right. Um, the other thing about that is, too, I'm trying to encourage guys, like, it's a real issue. There's toxic masculinity for sure. Yeah. And we don't want this, again, the domineering muscular whatever whatever that dominates people <laughs> but there's another thing called toxic passivity mm -hmm. where you just okay whatever yes dear whatever that's also threatening to a woman because now she thinks she has to fend for herself and her marriage and with other people you're not right. actually engaged and showing up right so i'm telling guys too, like watch out for this passive thing because that was adam mm -hmm. shockingly if you look in genesis i always had pictured that adam was somewhere far away when, when Eve was talking to the serpent. He was mm -hmm. off somewhere. Mm -hmm. But if you actually look at the, at the language, he's right there. Yeah, yeah, he heard it. He's not doing anything. He's being passive. And then he's just, okay, yeah, whatever you just did. But as a result of that, because he was made to be the keeper of the garden, when God comes into the garden, even though they're both responsible, his response is, Adam, where are you? And he wants to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Because he was made to be that protector, and he was so passive, he didn't even show up. And we yeah. are still paying the price for this passivity. So I'm trying to encourage guys, too, to be like, this has to be something that you're engaged in real, actual life with a real woman, if it's a woman, like, mm -hmm. that you're engaged, like, you're going to get married, for instance. Right, right. Like, this woman will bring things out of you in your character that a computer never, ever will. And it's, it's going to be challenging, and she will, she will challenge you. Mm -hmm. She will... Uh, make you think, rethink. She will humble you. Uh, but this is all to make you who you were supposed to be. I think the biblical term is exhortation, Brand. I mean, yes, challenge. Is, uh, nobody wants to be challenged. <laughs> I mean, unless we find the challenge. But I, I'm tongue in cheek. But you're right. I mean, yes, God, we needed that for completeness. And the woman in our life that says, I'm here, protect me, guide me, yeah. lead me. It's, There's you know. a real guy. I yeah. mentioned this guy in the book. He looks like the ultimate man. He's a... He was a MMF guy Ooh. from from Russia, mm -hmm. and he's huge, and he's got the beard and everything. He's he's got it all going. The tats. He married a doll, hmm. and he's proud of it. Hmm. And he actually said, "This guy's a real guy." Now he started Instagram for his doll wife and everything. Hmm. And he said the thing about I can't remember her name that he gave her is that she never talks back to me. Hmm. Like, see the fake. Wow. The fake will not talk back to you. A real person will sharpen you and challenge you and, and make you change. And you may not even like it, but she will call you out to become the man that you are supposed to be. Amen. But that's the reality of dealing in the real with flesh and blood. It's not easy. It's not convenient. And yet this is who, this is how we get to be who we're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. This is such a great topic and a, a much needed resource from Brand Hansen today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the men we need, God's purpose for the manly man, the avid endorsement, and any man willing to show up. I've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got about two minutes left in yeah. the conversation. Let's talk about that show up guy. Because I mean, we've discussed the manly yeah. guy. We've talked about the indoorsy guys like yours yeah. truly. Um, but that showing up part, it might leave someone with the impression that all you have to do is be there and you don't have to necessarily do anything. But showing up is it's huge. taking responsibility. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what I mean. I think women especially will associate us with taking responsibility. Like a man who's not willing to take responsibility for himself mm -hmm. is a real problem. Yep. And then a man who won't take responsibility for his family is also like, but I'm telling guys to take responsibility for your own spiritual life. Amen. A lot of times we don't or guys don't because we're not 
resonating to a worship experience like maybe your mm-hmm. wife does or mm-hmm. maybe women do in your family mm-hmm. and you're thinking you're missing out on something like I just don't have this kind of faith this doesn't I don't get chills I don't raise my hands or I don't and I see other people having this emotional reaction I'm telling guys I'm trying to tell them it's okay mm-hmm. this isn't about your emotions right what God is looking for is loyalty steadfast loyalty so you, you show up every day with him mm-hmm. and you keep even though you're a sinner and you know it but you keep thanking him for his forgiveness you yes. keep engaging you keep saying god give me the resources i need for today yes. but you don't let go <laughs> that is very honoring to god the guy that just keeps going back and so i'm trying to tell guys look don't be discouraged if you're not getting these emotions or whatever which is so disengaging for guys like don't god still wants you to engage every day everything else is going to flow from that i promise Mm -hmm. you that's that's the most important part of it god has that covenant relationship with us that loyalty to us he does how can we how can we not be loyal to him yes and loyalty i understand as a guy yeah oh yeah i get that oh yeah so i don't it's not about the emotional experience the mountaintop stuff it's like but but continuing to show up every day steadfast loyalty like god has to me i get that We've just scratched the surface and our time has gone by much too quickly. So you know what that means. You have to get a copy of the book. Yeah, absolutely. You need to buy enough, frankly, to make a fort out of them. It's my, <laughs> it's just my opinion. But that would be a lot of, now see, that would be see, a good activity for guys, right? That's what I'm saying. Men's group right there. Let's yeah. buy a couple cases. Build a fort with these books. Build a fort with the, the, the title is The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man and the Avid Outdoorsman, Avid Indoorsman, and any man willing to show up. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. But you have, you get to build your own fort. We don't have directions for the fort. <laughs> Which is a bummer. Yes, but because it also unleashes your creativity. That's true. That's right. true. That's you know you're going to hear now from guys saying, where are the yeah. directions, man? Where's the picture? I need to, you, you talked about it Made and then it you happen. didn't. Yeah, good okay. point. Good well, point. Well, that's okay. That's for our next Thank conversation. You. Brant, great to meet you in person. Thanks, man. Thanks for Thanks, being with Roger. us here on The Bottom Line Show. Well, it's always great to get time with Brand Hansen, but especially to have time just sitting across a table from him at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. That happened earlier this year, as you can tell by the ambiance as we were on location there. Uh, Brant's book is called The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsement, or Any Man Willing to Show Up. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of the book to give away right now. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, Brant writes about these six different types of guys that uh, that we need to see, and godly masculinity is such a, a powerful influence in the culture today. And, you know, I, I, I love the fact that he always does this with kind of a, uh, a bit of, uh, well, <laughs> kind of self-effacing humor. But the six type of guys actually talks about the six decisions that set you apart as a man of God. First and foremost, forsake the fake and relish the real. Um, a lot of guys have a hard time dealing with the realities of this life, so they kind of create a character caricature of their own. And uh, that's not what it happens. It's not video game world. It's not Hollywood glamour. It's not even social media. It's being you. Second, protect the vulnerable. How many times have you seen in the culture today that the whole nation goes nuts over a dad who does the right thing or a man who does the, there was a young boy recently who received a claim because he went into a burning house and rescued a kid and a family that was in there and severe, suffered severe burns all over his body. Um, and yet, uh, he did the right thing and would love to see young guys doing that. Third uh, decision that a guy who is uh, God's man is going to make is to be ambitious about the right things. How many people find you know, that they lack the bravery to do the right things, whether it's to pursue the good and the godly, to honor their families, to do what they need to do? And oftentimes you see guys who are like, hey, no, not me. Can't take my man cave away, not my sports car. Mm-mm. You know, that's, it's amazing how much time, as Brant says, we invest in meaningless things. And basically, he has one chapter in the book that says, if you feel meaningless, it might be because you're investing time and energy in meaningless things. You don't want to be incredibly awesome and somehow less attractive to women at the same time. The name of the game is make sure that uh, you are ambitious about the right things. Fourth, make women and children feel safe. Boy, I'll tell you what, that does not mean that you're always going to pick a fight with somebody, but rather if women and children feel safe in your presence, guys, that means you are going a long way toward being the man of God that you are called to be. The fifth decision a godly man makes in Brand Hansen's book is that you choose today who you will become tomorrow. 
the idea uh, <laughs> that you can start planning today to think in terms of the future. The young, immature guy only thinks about right now. What tastes good in my mouth? Not how it's going to sit in my stomach. Not what's going to happen a week from now. And then finally, take responsibility for your own spiritual life. Well, my dad never made us go to church, so why should I? Well, you know, that those are the decisions. They're great decisions that are worth looking into. I commend them to you in Brand Hansen's book, The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsement, or any man willing to show up. We have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving away a copy right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number that gets you through to the bottom line as we continue. We're going to show, uh, give you an example of what that looks like in real life. What happens when a man who comes face to face with the Son of God and realizes that his sins are forgiven will then take a look at what's going on in his life and ask the question, okay, well, if my sins are forgiven, I appreciate that, but am I willing to go the next step and take responsibility for the things I've done? A fascinating story coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. And ladies, if you're just tuning in and you hear me talking about a lot of godly guy stuff right now, um, there's a reason. <laughs> the theme for this hour has been godly masculinity and the idea that loneliness is becoming a huge public health issue and it's hitting men just as hard, if not harder, than women. Uh, Brand Hansen and I had a conversation about that issue in the book, The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid Endorsement, or Any Man Willing to Show Up. Link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. And Teresa's still taking your calls. Uh, we'll be till the top of the hour at 800-227-5278. We have one copy of the book uh, to give away. And then this incredible scene that unfolded at a California television station. A man by the name of Brian Hawkins confessed to a murder. Now, confessions to murders after a long period of time are becoming more commonplace, especially when you consider that with DNA and forensic evidence that we have available to us, more and more people are finding themselves on the receiving end either of justice, which had been denied because of lack of DNA evidence, or justice that was now being finally served. Remember the, uh, the guy, was it in St. Louis, um, earlier this year, had been in prison. He was arrested for a murder that he didn't commit, wasn't even at the scene, when he was 19 years of age. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And then the local, they, they call it the uh, Justice Initiative or something like that, where people take a look at older crimes, that were tried and convicted under those kinds of circumstances where they didn't have the you know, DNA testing and stuff that we have now. And they go back and they revisit the crime and ask the question, did we get the right person? Did we get the right conviction? You know, are we really serving justice? Because at the end of the day, if somebody's dead, some, there's a murder that was committed, and you get the wrong person, then you've, kind of, you've committed a couple of crimes there. It's bad enough that somebody lost their life, but then to have the wrong person behind bars, it's just awful. And that's happened, unfortunately, a lot in our country. Anytime somebody says, I think there's a history of systemic racism with the police department, stuff like that, I'm much more inclined now to listen to their story before saying, no, there's not. Hasn't happened to me. No, there's not. And, and that's one of many things that we as Christians, I think, could do a better job of listening first, being slow to speak, quick to listen, you know, <laughs> slow to act, slow to anger. In this case here, though, Brian Hawkins is the guy in question. This is a guy who has spent a, a long period of time literally running from God. Living the kind of life that might have seemed glamorous to him at the time, but you do understand um, that th when people you know, do uh, the wrong thing, and they keep doing the wrong thing. I think something happens to them in the sense, well, we talked about this on yesterday's program, about the, the more we complain, how it wires our brain and rewires our brain to where we are more likely to complain, and we'll start seeing things as really bad. There's a fine line between bringing up a problem and complaining about things over and over again. And in the case of Brian Hawkins, this is a guy who was involved in some crazy things and some shady dealings when he was younger. 
And he got involved in a, a, a drug deal that went sideways. And so basically he knew that the deal went down. And this is the crazy thing about the world we live in right now, isn't it? The fact that this type of stuff, what I'm about to describe to you, happens all the time all over the world and has been happening ever since Cain and Abel. And yet we kind of go through our lives going, well, since it didn't show up on my radar, I guess it doesn't happen that much. Or if it happens once, then you think that everybody's going through it and they're looking at you and whatever. But there's something that happens to us when we become Christians at the moment of salvation. I believe that God, what God does is he gives us the gift of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit and that gift of faith that enables us to see not only the need for salvation, but to receive that gift of salvation. And the gift of salvation is Jesus Christ crucified on the cross, his death paying the penalty for your sin and my sin, and the blood not only redeeming us, getting us entrance to heaven. See, God, this is one of mine, this is one of yours, you know, just as if they had never sinned. The debts are paid and the sin is washed away from our record. Now, one day we'll sit before Christ in the Bema seat and he will judge what we did after all that. And there will be a rewards given or rewards taken away. And how many people who've read the parable of the talents are going to go, oh, that's what he meant. He gave the one guy 10 and the guy turned it into 10 more. And so he got more and then the one guy five and five. But then the one who had one talent buried it. And God's going to say, out. <laughs> There's no reward for you. Once we give our lives to the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he begins to show us the gravity of our sin. And the older we get, the more we walk with him, the more grievous that sin becomes, just simply because now we can understand it. In the same way, you don't sit there and read War and Peace to a newborn and expect them to regurgitate it back to you. Uh, Even the Bible, you read those stories, but you're sowing the seeds. I mean, over time, they're going to get it, but not right away. As you walk with the Lord, and as you grow in faith, you begin to see that there are people who you know, you've hurt, you've sinned against God, sinned against these other people. And in the case of Brian Hawkins, he went so far as to walk into a California TV station and say, I would like to confess a murder. A murder, a murder that happened nearly 30 years ago. But the reason why he wanted to confess that murder is because of his faith in Christ. We'll talk about this on the other side of the break as the bottom line continues. Here at K-Bright, we are proud to recommend Stephanie and Jim Cover of Cover Law because they take such good care of their clients. I was coming home. It was like two days before Christmas. And I was sitting at the bottom of a hill and somebody just came smashing into me. Like they didn't even break or anything. They were coming down a steep hill. The people that hit me had no insurance, no license, no proof of anything. I had a lot going on in my life at the, at the time. I was busy at work. I was doing a lot of overtime. My husband came down with cancer. That was really a hard point in my life for my husband and I. She was by my side trying to help me through the accident and giving me personal support and telling me to keep the faith. And I was all ready like to, you know, throw in the towel. And she she just kept me going. They're just hardworking people. They know their stuff. They're very educated. They make you feel comfortable. They stick with you all the way. I used them as attorneys. Now they're friends. And once in a while, I tease them. Do I need to get in trouble so I could retain you guys? (laughs) I'd do anything to help those guys. I highly recommend them. I mean, I haven't had need for an attorney before, and I fell into the right hands. In the event of an accident, call Cover Law right away, 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Incredible story here involving a man called Brian Hawkins. This is a guy who uh, recently became a Christian. And one of the first things he did um, really just kind of got to him. He began to start looking back on his life, knowing that the right thing can be done, even though there's nothing that can be done about a life that was lost. But I want to read you this quote. Apparently, 23-plus years ago, uh, Brian Hawkins and two of his siblings uh, went to a guy called Frank Wesley McAllister. This is back in 1993. They told him they were going to sell him methamphetamine. But instead, they stabbed him to death and stole some money that he had recently received in a settlement of some sort. He didn't go into great details as to what it was all about. So that happened in 1993. Fast forward to around 2018. And this is a guy who for 25 years 
had been wrestling with his faith in Christ and the sins that he had committed. After getting involved in that drug deal, Brian Hawkins said he became a Christian. And now, all of a sudden, he wanted to do things right. Here's the quote. He said, God and Jesus Christ and these things that have happened over the course of 25 years have pushed me, and they've pushed me to do the right thing. I know the wrong can't be changed, but this is the closest I could come to doing the right thing. Now, imagine what kind of faith and trust it took to go to the local authorities, knowing that not only was he going to be arrested, but his two siblings, who were part of the drug deal, also went in. It's premeditated. They knew that this guy, Frank Leslie McAllister, had just received a settlement that involved a fairly good-sized sum of money. I don't know how much it was, but when you're doing a drug deal, you know, it might be a couple hundred bucks. It might be tens of thousands of dollars. Basically, he not only got the money in the settlement, but he had the money with him because he was going to buy drugs. They reached out to him and said, hey, we know you're a user. We've got some stuff. Let's meet up and do a deal. So he meets up to do the deal, and instead of selling him drugs, they stabbed him to death and stole the money. Brian Hawkins becomes a Christian, and let me read this quote again. God and Christ, Jesus Christ, and all these things that have happened over the course of 25 years have pushed me, and they pushed me to do the right thing. I know that the wrong can't be changed, but this is the closest I could come to doing the right thing. And then he confessed to everything about the crime. He basically turned himself in and turned his brothers in as well. Now, what were we just saying about Brand Hansen's book, The Men We Need, and those six different decisions that every guy who is a Christ follower needs to make? Every one of those decisions, the decisions are one you will forsake the fake and relish the real. The fake world for Brian Dawkins was selling drugs and all that money that went along with it. Number two, you'll protect the vulnerable. Brian, uh, uh, Brian Dawkins took Frank McAllister's life and cost his family, his future children, the opportunity to have this man. He wasn't protecting the vulnerable den, then, but now they deserve to know what happened to this man. Be ambitious about the right things. Don't try to rob somebody because they got good fortune. Earn your own money. Make women and children feel safe, not threatened. Would you feel safe, ladies, if you knew that your husband's job was to go out and stab people for money? (laughs) Choose today who you will become tomorrow. That goes without saying. A murder committed in 1993 was still haunting this man 25 years later. And then taking responsibility for his own spiritual life. And Brian Dawkins confessed and he and his siblings went to prison. What an inspiring story. What a sad story. But what an inspiring story of heroism and true Christian faith in action. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I pray that you benefit from reading it. KCBC audience, enjoy Dr. Well, the doctor, I'm sure he's a doctor, but Rabbi Kurt Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast as The Bottom Line continues.